0: Support for Petri Dish is made possible by UT Health San Antonio. Committed to transforming the health of the community through a team that tackles problems from every angle, doing everything it takes to bring each patient the best possible outcomes. From teaching tomorrow's healthcare leaders to translating research into new treatments, UT Health San Antonio strives to make lives better. Learn more at everythingittakes.org. Please take your seats. Our program will begin in one minute. At the end of September of this year, the hottest ticket in town for scientists and researchers from around the world with an interest in genetics was to this auditorium in the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego to hear some hotly anticipated news. And it was unveiled with all the drama you might expect from this type of industry event. Today, humanity is facing more challenges than ever. Heart disease, cancer, global pandemics. These are challenges we can overcome, but we need to unlock the full power of the genome. We need to sequence hundreds of millions of genomes to understand the full breadth of genomic variation and to identify disease-causing variants. Only then, can we impact the leading causes of death? We need to Impact the leading causes of death. That's see- a big promise. Sequencing of hundreds of millions of, of, millions of, of genomes? Up till now, that's been a pipe dream. In the nearly 20 years since the human genome was sequenced, only 30 million genomes have actually been sequenced, but... We are closer yeah. to overcoming these challenges than we have ever been. Because this isn't a dream, this isn't science fiction, this is the genome era. A man named Francis D'Souza stands next to the machine that he hopes will launch this genome era.
1: I'm thrilled to bring you the most innovative sequencing platform ever developed. The NovaSeq X-Series.
0: D'Souza is the CEO of a company called Illumina. It makes many of the machines that have been sequencing DNA for years. It controls about 80% of the DNA sequencing market worldwide. But this machine, the one everyone has crammed into this auditorium to see, is one of a series of new sequencers that is set to change the game. Why? According to D'Souza, not only can the sequencers in the NovaSeq X series sequence genomes twice as fast as their Illumina ancestors—that's 20,000 genomes a year, up from around 7,500—but, and this is huge, it'll cut the cost of sequencing from thousands of dollars per genome to around $200. That would make sequencing available to, well— Almost everyone. Why is that a big deal, and what might it mean for you and your health? Let's find out. From Texas Public Radio, this is Petri Dish. I'm Bonnie Petri. On March 23, 1997, an ad appeared in the Buffalo News, the daily newspaper in Buffalo, New York. This ad was looking for 20 volunteers who would be willing to participate in, quote, a very large international research effort. The goal of the effort? To decode human hereditary information that determines all individual human traits inherited from parents. The nondescript research solicitation was placed right next to an enthusiastic promotion for an Easter egg hunt coming up in Niagara Falls that featured a grinning fish who promised fantastic fun. But the researchers in the ad next door made big promises, too. They said the outcome of their effort would have a tremendous impact on future progress of medical science to improve diagnosis and treatment of hereditary disease. They weren't lying. This ad in the Buffalo paper back in the 90s was soliciting volunteers to donate blood samples to the Human Genome Project. This international group of researchers was seeking to map human DNA, and by 2003, at a roughly estimated cost of $3 billion, it mostly did it released the first ever sequence of the human genome. In the nearly 20 years since, this sequence has revolutionized our understanding of how diseases are caused, how to treat them, and how the environment and heredity work together to create our unique individual biology. It's a lot, and it can all be very confusing, but since I think, having a basic understanding of this stuff is not only essential to understanding the medical revolutions of the past, but the multiple medical revolutions right now on our doorstep. For a lot of us, I think we have to first get a bit remedial. That includes me, so I did what I do. I went and found us an expert to talk with. His name is Sean Vargas, and he is the manager of a lab called the Genomics Corps at the University of Texas at San Antonio. I've been to a lot of labs over my career, and they all have this sort of lived-in, worked-in feel. They're not really what you would expect from the movies. The UTSA Genomics Corps is no different. It has various machines and slides and microscopes and other tools scattered on rows of countertops throughout the room. But the work they do here is as cutting edge as you can get. So before we get to our human genome sequencing lesson, I asked Vargas to tell me about UTSA's Genomics Core.
1: The Genomics Core is a kind of fee-for-service facility. So we maintain the instrumentation and we have the technical expertise on really focused on preparing RNA and DNA for DNA sequencing. And then some basic analysis on how to kind of take that raw sequencing information and turn it to something our researchers can use. Okay,
0: we're in the right place if we want to understand the genome and sequencing and how researchers and ultimately our primary care physicians can use them to improve our health. So let's begin at the beginning, shall we? What is a genome?
1: What is a genome? Um, so, it's so our body, right, our body is made up of Billions and billions and billions of cells. These tiny little microscopic things. Uh, at the heart of each cell is the nucleus, and in the nucleus, we have the blueprints to building a human. Those blueprints are what we call our genome. It is made up of a uh, particular molecule called DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid. And I haven't said the full name in a long time. <laughs> um, but it is made up of four little molecules that repeat in unique patterns that we can decode as genes. These genes dictate things like the color of our hair, the color of our eyes, how tall we're going to be, um, you know, are we going to be really, really athletic, or are we probably going to be more prone to book smarts? And... While that is a probably oversimplification, the simplest mentality, it really is a blueprint to the how to build a person. And specifically, the DNA inside of you is different from the DNA inside of me. It's different from the DNA inside of our friends, our family, our parents, because it's unique to us. It's almost like a fingerprint. But this fingerprint is is the heart of every single cell in, in our entire body. Vargas
0: mentioned four molecules there, and I don't want to let that slip by without exploring it a little because it's really important. Your body is kind of like a book, and the pages of that book are packed with letters. But you can't read the book because the alphabet of your genome is only four letters long. A, C, T, and G. The pages of this book would probably read like gibberish to you, but the combinations of these letters in your DNA make perfect sense to your RNA, and they make you you. Your book and mine contain three billion pairs of combinations of these letters, so one pair might be G-C. Another might be GG. Another might be T, T, or TA. The combinations are what make up your whole genome, your unique genetic code. And whole genome sequencing allows scientists to put your pages in the right order so they can read your genetic code. But our DNA doesn't work alone to make us uniquely us. That's genetics, and it's important But just as important is something called epigenetics, Vargas says.
1: Like many great things, teamwork makes the dream work. DNA is uh, the simplest set instructions. But depending on how those instructions are organized, what we call the epigenome, right, on top of just the instructions, how those instructions are organized, how those instructions are um, written, can, can affect how those genes are made i consider it the the nurture of our nature our epigenome is essentially um, the way our dna is is arranged three-dimensionally inside ourselves that kind of initiates genes either be turned on or turned off to be turned up all the way or turned down a little bit turned on
0: turned off turned all the way up turned all the way down Epigenetics is the study of what happens when a person with certain variants is exposed to external forces that change the way the gene expresses itself. So what are variants? That's when those letters, G or T or A or C, are in a different combination than those in the Buffalo human reference sequence. The unexpected letter or combination of letters are
1: variants, also called mutations. I think we've all heard the, the case studies of, you know, two, of the same peop- two people having the same, say, breast cancer mutation, but one person develop it, develops it, and one person goes their entire life without any symptoms. And there's a lot of consideration in the epigenome playing a role, that just having a mutation is not enough, right? How your body is going to express that gene, if it expresses, expresses that gene properly, or does it kind of dial it down? That plays a huge role in whether or not you kind of manifest a really severe disease or you have a very latent disease.
0: There are all kinds of things that can impact how our genes express themselves. Stress and trauma. Toxins in the air, food, or water. Vargas says human genes are tuned into the environment. And if they recognize that something about that environment is a threat to our body
1: our body's going to try to do its best to mitigate that. And if it means completely turning off certain genes, completely um, kind of just shutting down whole regions of our genome to compensate for that stressor, it will. And if it has to do that long enough, it might never turn that stuff back on. It could lead to things like autoimmune diseases, where our body is reacting, uh, reacting to a stimulant in an inappropriate manner, and that leads to... Developing something like Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, or uh, you know, a, a myriad of different cancer types.
0: And that can become a part of your family's genetic legacy.
1: Epigenomes can be inherited. So if you have a lot of stresses in your life, you could unknowingly impact, pass those stresses on to your children and have them already pre-programmed to deal with the stress in the environment.
0: But this is the thing about genetics and why it's so important to learn as much as we can about how we work. Get ready for this quote. Genes are not destiny. The epigenome assures us of that. Let's take, for example, the APOE4 gene. There are certain APOE4 variants that are linked with vascular dementias and cardiovascular diseases. It's not great news when you find out you have these variants. But if you find out you have variants that put you at higher risk for certain diseases, you could do something about it. You can get ahead of it. What do genes do at the heart of it? They make the proteins that make our bodies run, hopefully like a well-oiled machine or well-proteined machine. But a variant might change the way it makes certain proteins.
1: We, we, get, we can see how changes in our genome will affect how well a protein can do its job, right? But it, it's not as simple as, that. protein isn't working alone, you know? Um, none of our proteins are, are Batman. <laughs> They're more of uh, an interconnected network where everything affects everything else. So let's say that protein isn't doing a job right then and there. If we can find something to change about your diet, something to add in, it maybe skips a biochemical step, that protein isn't necessarily burdened as much with having to convert things, and that it can still carry on in the rest of the biochemical process of filling whatever need that protein would fill downstream, uh, later down into the next cell or in the next tissue.
0: And that's what recent research found regarding the APOE4 gene and fish oil. UT Health San Antonio researcher Claudia Setizabal looked at people with mutations to the APOE4 gene and found that those with higher concentrations of omega-3 fatty acids in their cells had less small vessel disease. Now, more research needs to be done, but that suggests that people with these variants linked to vascular diseases, if they're good about eating fatty fish or taking fish oil, it may slow down deterioration of their small vessels, slowing down the potential onset of a disease like vascular dementia. Vargas explains
1: how this happens. The mutation alone isn't what's hurting you, it's the fact that it's interrupting this biochemical process in your body. If we can find a way to kind of loophole around that biochemical process and supplement you with something to, to make sure that down the lo- road, your body's still getting everything it needs, that helps to mitigate a lot of that the, the symptoms from the disease.
0: Obviously, for a lot of patients, getting ahead of a disease feels urgent. We're talking about people with a family history of a disease, symptoms of a disease, or both. Right now, even though it's still expensive, their doctor may order genetic testing for them alongside more traditional blood
1: work and labs. The most obvious thing is um, looking for known variants, known clinical variants probably the simplest way that genetic, inform- that genetic research has kind of affected healthcare. Uh, for example, you, 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 your family has a history of cancer, a um, particular type of cancer. My mom specifically had breast cancer. Um, she went to go get tested to see if she had the breast cancer gene and to see if she had the variant that could be inherited. Um, and that's the simplest way that a lot of people understand genetics in healthcare. Do you have a particular mutation that could cause the disease or be the cause of the disease? Vargas says gene sequencing has
0: also allowed doctors to adjust treatments based on their patients' unique genetic
1: code. What's happened in the last about decade or so is something called pharmacogenetics, where we take a look at your variants, your genetic makeup, and we've, we've, after studying lots of patients' DNA, we link the variants or mutations that we may find to the severity of disease or the success of treatment. And so pharmacogenetics is a concept in healthcare that we can take the genetic information and based on what we've learned over the years, we can say, hey, this mutation has had really, really good correlation with this treatment. So we think that if we give you this treatment rather than a different treatment, you're going to have a much better response and, and, and get better, luck okay. quicker. But
0: access to sequencing is limited. Your doctor might only recommend single-gene testing or testing of a cluster of genes linked to certain diseases if you have symptoms or family history. That leaves a lot of people out who might benefit from a peek at their genome. Research has found that genetic screenings of up to 15% of people with no symptoms of disease found variants that indicated risk for a disease that could be treated or prevented if the patient knew about it. And there are a lot of people who go from doctor to doctor for years knowing something's wrong, but who never get any kind of diagnosis or treatment. Some of them might have their quality of life dramatically improved if gene sequencing was more affordable and more common. But at thousands of dollars a pop, I guess it makes sense to skip sequencing for apparently healthy people.
1: We don't want to do it unless we have to do it. Um, And I think um, part of that is one, Why do you need to do it if you have no reason to do it? there's a lot of costs involved with it. Health health insurance companies certainly aren't going to pay top dollar to get your, your genes sequenced if there's no reason to get your genes sequenced.
0: But at $200, suddenly that puts genetic screenings within reach for many more people. Cheaper sequencing may mean, down the line, more effective treatments for more diseases more quickly for more patients truly personalized medicine.
1: It's essentially just going to be, you know, you go in for a diagnosis, diagnosis, and usually nowadays you're just given a medication, and they and see how it works. They say, call me in two weeks if anything changes, like if, it, if the medication helps or if it doesn't. Um, personalized medicine is hopefully going to take out that, that trial and error period. Um, we can do something to where we say, I'm going to give you medication now for the symptoms you have now, we're going to run your tests. If there's a better medication that we can give you that's going to be more uh, more efficient, I'm going to update your script based on your personal genome. And hopefully it leads to more efficient health care and, and less guesswork. And a lot of people suffer from situations where you're very scared to question the doctor. Um, and uh, so even if a medication isn't working, there's a lot, of, pop- a lot of, of people who don't want to go back and complain about it. They just kind of suffer through it. And hopefully it'll it will alleviate a lot of people suffering. But wait,
0: there's more. Cheap, quick, whole genome sequencing could be used in other amazing ways to save lives, like in cases
1: of sepsis. Sepsis is a huge issue in the country, right? It's infection of bacteria in the blood. The traditional way of screening for a sepsis patient is you take like 20 mils of their blood and plate it in a couple of different bacterial augers, and hopefully, Fingers crossed something grows. It can take two days up to a week for something to grow. Meanwhile, your patient is sick and suffering. In fact, sepsis kills. It can
0: rapidly lead to tissue damage, organ failure, and death. So it's a ticking
1: clock. Imagine if we could take a blood draw, extract the bacterial DNA from the blood that's floating around in your body. Let's say you have a, a, a pus or an abscess that's chock full of bacteria. Suck that out. Extract the genomic information. Sequence it. Not only would we be able to tell what bacteria you have, but we could look for um, antibiotic-resistant genes or markers so we know what antibiotics not to give you. So instead of waiting a week or so to find the right medication, trying different antibiotics out, we could sequence the DNA in your blood, the bacterial DNA in your blood, and give you the right medicine the first time. Really, imagine that. Sepsis kills
0: about 270,000 Americans a year according to the CDC. How many people could be saved by this? And for researchers, cheaper, quicker sequencing could lead to what some people are calling the golden age
1: of genomics. What does that mean? What does that mean indeed? I mean it's it's we've we've really been as far as genetics and genomics has been going. We've we've been half glass half full we've been very optimistic doing the best that we can because the kind of information needed the kind of scale that we have to have to really make the big the the really big discoveries we haven't had that having really affordable sequencing is going to change the game
0: It will change the game, Vargas says, because it will eventually give researchers access to a number and variety of genomes they could only dream of in
1: the past. For example, in the 90s when we first did the human genome, we only had about 12 people submit their DNA for that genome. 12 out of the 7 billion people on the planet, we got 12 people (laughs) that are the poster children for genetic information.
0: That's back in Buffalo, remember? So this reference panel would be perfect to measure my genome against I'm a person of European ancestry born in Buffalo. So we're done here, right? No. That leaves a whole lot of people out. In fact, up till now, most info about genomic variants that may be involved in different diseases have been gathered from people of European ancestry, which means doctors may be making medical decisions for people of other ethnic, ancestral, and geographic groups using genetic information that doesn't apply to them. Even though all human genomes are 99.9% identical, there's a lot of important as yet unknown information in that remaining
1: 0.1%. So the more and more that we add to this pool, the more diverse the pool gets, and the more that we can break up this pool based on heritage, right? Um, Whether it's based on regional heritage, where you grew up and where you were born, versus based on your, your family's ethnicity, where they came from. We see different prognosis for different people. When we're talking about hundred to two hundred dollars to sequence the human genome we can now do what we're spending now in research nearly a thousand dollars per human genome you can now increase the amount of sampling increase the amount of people that you can screen tenfold it's
0: mind-blowing so i'm in san antonio and vargas is in san antonio and utsa's genomics core is in san antonio Let's imagine doctors and researchers in San Antonio start taking advantage of inexpensive sequencing. Just imagine the size of the Latino reference panel you
1: could soon compile. Huge, massive, and not just, not just a Latino reference panel, a San Antonio, Texas Latino reference panel. So we have this now a huge subset of whole genome, of genomes from people um, of the San Antonio area. And you can then, either whether you hit the pavement and, and just get people to ask, answer surveys about you know, where their families came from and their families' families came from. You know, where you, how many generations have you been in San Antonio? Did you move here from a different state, a different country? You parse that stuff back. You can then take before what we've always treated as a bulk of, of, of information, as a almost book ground truth, this is the genome, <laughs> to saying this is the genome in the case of Harry and this is the genome in the case of Sally. There are market differences because of their backgrounds. And because of those market differences, we can personalize not only their medicine, but even in some wilder cases, lifestyle changes that benefit them based on their genome.
0: Now imagine the impact of assembling this type of information from people who live in every city and town in the world. What will we learn about the health of different people of different backgrounds in different places and how they respond to different interventions?
1: The age of the genome is, is going to help us really kind of capture that, to quantify that. And, and in turn, we're not gonna learn more about ourselves, we're gonna learn more, more about each other, and it's, it's just gonna promote overall more, more inclusion and, and a mentally and physically healthier uh, uh, species, and that's it's exciting.
0: Support for Petri Dish is made possible by UT Health San Antonio. Committed to transforming the health of the community through a team that tackles problems from every angle. Doing everything it takes to bring each patient the best possible outcomes. From teaching tomorrow's healthcare leaders to translating research into new treatments. UT Health San Antonio strives to make lives better. Learn more at everythingittakes.org. You're listening to Petri Dish. Vargas is admittedly extremely optimistic about the possibilities associated with genomics and the human race, but there are a lot of people who fear what could be done with information like this. After all, eugenics is a thing and people with all kinds of nefarious intentions exist. Vargas
1: says he understands that fear. The human condition always fears the worst, especially change, especially new information. Um, and in the sense that we're able to kind of codify each person, I, there, there, there could be a risk. But what I find, what I think is going to be interesting is that we're going to realize, in the specific sense of, like, people who believe in these pure bloodlines, that there's, that doesn't exist anymore, that, that we're going to start codifying the information in, it might start to get bad press, but as we do more and more and we get more and more information, you're going to start to see there's, there's no such thing as pure bloodlines. There's no such thing as, as true nationalists that, that you know their family's been here for X number of generations and they deserve to be the rulers of the land. Yes, it's, 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 I think it's going to start to disappear. And I, and I think that's why that, my statement earlier, the more we understand of how we're different in truth, the more we're going to feel connected to one another. Because I think one of the true things about people is that we're all different. Um, None of us are built the same. All
0: of this makes me wonder what medicine of the future will look like when I'm old and my daughter has kids of her own. I asked Margus what he thinks, and he took me from science fact back to science
1: fiction. I think we all laughed. At the Star Trek scanners, they'd like they take a prick of your blood and they put the tube in the thing and it spit out information. I think if anyone watched the the new Jurassic Park movie, the character Dr. Sattler swabbed an animal and stuck the swab in a machine and got genetic information. And we joke and it's like, ah, it's so outlandish. I don't think we're that far away from it. Um, I still think we're at the point where. Bulk, the bulk of sequencing is going to be done in these specialized sequencing facilities They probably take samples from all over the nation, but 30, 40 years, who knows? You might have scanners where it takes a blood draw and it scans and in about 30 minutes it says, oh, you're positive for this particular, this particular deficiency. We need to give you this. And done. And the way of traditional lab tests and, and, and hospital tests are just considered old school. I think it's... It's wild how much change is coming.
0: To be clear, every doctor's office and hospital and lab in the land won't have low-cost sequencing available. Even when Illumina starts shipping out the NovaSeq X next year or when its competitors develop and start selling alternatives, the actual sequencer is still around a million bucks. It's going to take some time for million-dollar machines to make a difference. But still, like Vargas says, it's wild how much change is coming, and it's exciting. In my family, on my dad's side, people have a tendency to die young, in their 40s and 50s, young, of a variety of things. There is also more depression and other mental health challenges than is typical on this branch of my family tree. And many of us on the Petri side have other clusters of symptoms, nothing that will immediately kill you, but will certainly reduce your productivity and quality of life. Then, back in the 90s, a couple of years before the Whole Genome Project put that ad in the Buffalo Paper, My dad's sister got really sick. They thought she had leukemia. She was so sick, she was hospitalized. She thought she was dying, and she was, but not of cancer. It turned out she was extremely deficient in vitamin B12, which can eventually kill you. So without getting into a podcast-length discussion about how B12 is absorbed and put to use in humans, suffice it to say that this vitamin, known in fancier circles as cobalamin, requires a protein called intrinsic factor to be synthesized in the human body. Some people lack intrinsic factor because they have an autoimmune disease. My aunt doesn't have an autoimmune disease. So what caused her life-threatening deficiency? I became somewhat obsessed with my aunt's sickness and all the illness and premature death on that side of my family. That eventually led to a related obsession with genetics and genomics, though I didn't have access to the tools to dive deeply into my own genes until two years ago. That's when I got my whole genome sequenced. There are a couple of companies that do direct-to-consumer whole genome sequencing. They're expensive, but they exist. Uh, I'm not talking about 23andMe or Ancestry, which I've also done. (laughs) They analyze just a tiny percentage of your genome. I'm talking about the whole darn thing sequenced. And if you have enough knowledge, you can look at the data and learn from it. And when I got my results back there, I saw them (laughs) right there on the copalamin binding intrinsic factor gene. That gene is known as the CBLIF gene, and on mine, there were a cluster of medium and high-impact variants. Remember how UTSA's Sean Vargas told us variants can change the way a person produces a protein? These CBLIF gene variants impact whether a person produces intrinsic factor, and if so, how much. So my aunt's illness, and maybe some of the others in my family, could be explained. They were in the genes. In fact, in a conversation with an older cousin, I later learned my grandpa, who died when I was seven and he was 59, had a known B12 issue, though he didn't get the regular B12 injections you need to treat it. Yes, treatment for hereditary intrinsic factor deficiency is cheap and easy, but you gotta know you need it. What did I do with that information? Well, I've told all my cousins that they need to tell their doctors about this. And should they start having any of the long list of symptoms associated with B12 deficiency, their doctors should explore that as a potential diagnosis, going as far as ordering tests of their CBLF gene for variants. This information could save the lives of people I love, including my daughter. At the very least, it could improve the quality of their lives. So I'm not objective on this topic. I think whole genome sequencing is fantastic. In just the last month, we've learned important new things about the COVID virus and about how the Black Death of the 14th century changed the human genome forever. And we learned that bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and schizoaffective disorder may share common genetic underpinnings. And we learned that the 54,000-year-old Neanderthal bones found in a Siberian cave were those of a family who probably all died together. And we learned all of that because we can sequence genomes. How is that not exciting? You heard Sean Vargas say that he believed affordable, accessible, widespread whole-genome sequencing would ultimately lead to a mentally and physically healthier species. I agree with him. This episode of Petri Dish was produced by TPR News Director Dan Katz. Jacob Rosati and me. Jacob Rosati is also the person behind the original music and sound design on this show. Petri Dish is a production of Texas Public Radio. I'm Bonnie Petri. Talk to you soon.